Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. to be so desperately careful that we're not guilty of putting words into God's mouth. So careful. And I hear people so often say, well, God has said this. Is it really God speaking that? Or is it just your experience as a believer, uh, your trust in the word, and your, your, uh, uh, your, your feeling then, your, your compelling at that point in time? We have to be careful. It's always better to say, I feel led, rather than to say, God said. Unless you're quoting directly from Scripture, you should never claim that God said something to you. You may feel very strongly that God spoke to you, and He may have, but in humility, you need to be careful how you present the messages you have to share. And if it contradicts Scripture, you can know that it was not God that was doing the speaking. As Pastor David will warn in today's message, we need to beware of anyone who comes claiming to be a prophet or carrying a new message from God. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 19 as he begins his message, Get Out of the Way. Probably ought to try and say it in my best Scottish brogue, but I won't embarrass either myself nor offend any of you who might have Scottish background. But the phrase is, the best laid plans of mice and men oft go astray. It was actually a uh, part of a poem written by the 18th century Scotsman, Robert Burns. That's it. That's all you get out of me. Okay. (laughs) And it's just as true back in the 18th century when Robert Burns wrote it as it is today. The best laid plans of mice and men oft go astray. But you know, it's also just as true back in the time of the Apostle Paul. We look, uh, even the, the, the Word of God speaks to us about a man may make his plans, but it's God that directs his steps. It doesn't discount the fact that we can make plans and that we have that opportunity to make plans. But every one of us need to understand that we need to be surrendered wholly and completely to God. God allows us to make plans, but we also need to be surrendered to him changing our plans. Amen? Amen. Otherwise, we're going to be very disappointed through life. Thus far, as we've looked at, we are in the book of Acts. We've been going through Acts for a while. We are in chapter 19, and thus far, we've seen uh, here recently, most recently, the Apostle Paul has been in the city of Ephesus. During this time, we've seen that God has moved very mightily, very powerfully through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. The Lord gave him the ability to not only proclaim the gospel message uh, openly in the marketplace, but also he had a place called the School of Tyrannus that he was able to teach in every day. 
And Luke tells us that he was there for two years, being able to teach consistently there at the school of Tyrannus, as well as, again, ministering throughout that city. They were also able to send out literally missionaries, as the word was taught there in Ephesus, those that came to Ephesus and learned they would go from there. And Luke tells us that it went to the surrounding region so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. That's verse 10 of chapter 19. It was definitely an amazing time of both the direct and the indirect work and the, the, just the ministry of Christ through the gospel. And we looked at some of this last week, uh, how some tried to move in their own power, in their own strength. They weren't even believers, but they came and said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, and without knowing Christ, without the Holy Spirit empowering them or directing them, again, God demonstrated his own power by keeping his word and his message true. He let the demonic spirit that these guys were trying to cast out just have his way with these seven sons of Sceva who tried to, again, uh, uh, use the, the name and the might and the power of Christ without even knowing him. God will not allow, as we shared last week, God will not allow the merchandising of his message or his power just for the purpose of man. So we see here in Ephesus this strong sweep of the Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 20, uh, 17 and verse 20 speaks to us about that. In verse 17 it says, All the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, fear fell upon them. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And then down in verse 20, it says, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So for two years, relative peace, uh, relatively not, not a whole lot of persecution coming against Paul or the message of the gospel. But right now, a time of change is about to take place. Look with me as we begin this morning in verse 21. Acts chapter 19, verse 21. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit. And when he had passed through, that when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, he was going to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. And so he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. But he himself stayed in Asia for a time. When Luke writes for us here that uh, Paul purposed in the Spirit, in many if not all of your translations of uh, different versions of the Bible you might have, you probably have that word Spirit capitalized. And when it's capitalized within your version, in essence, the publisher of your Bible is interpreting that to mean, when he capitalizes, that that was the Holy Spirit. In essence, what they're saying, Paul purposed in the Holy Spirit. However, the, the situation is, is in the Greek uh, language, the syntax of the Greek, really it also allows for it to say, Paul, in essence, made up his mind. Paul determined in his own spirit with a small s. In the Greek, there's not a capital or not. You look at the context. You look also at the, the words of how it's formed. You have to look at not only the context, but also the final results. And I don't say this to minimize the move of the Holy Spirit in Paul's life at all. Uh, we've seen that all through the book of Acts, that the Holy Spirit was moving and directing Paul. What I am saying is that even with the best of our intentions, our 
preconceptions can sometimes input or remove things in the Word of God that were never intended by the writer. Just hold on to that thought for a while and we'll revisit it. There's no doubt that Paul was led by the Holy Spirit in his life and his ministry. But in actuality, the verb that Luke uses in this particular passage is clearly the Greek word he purposed rather than he was led by. And in his own heart and mind, I believe that Paul was pulling together this plan. A plan that no doubt he felt that the Lord was leading him for. He's not going against the Lord's leading. He's just believing that, again, I believe that God is calling me to come over here and do this. I'm led to do this thing. According to Paul's plan, if you will, he was going to first go back across the Aegean Sea from Ephesus. Ephesus in the western coastline of Turkey. He was going to go across the Aegean Sea, back over to Macedonia, be there for a while, then go down to Achaia. And Achaia is where, again, Athens and Corinth is. It's what you and I know as Greece. From there, he was going to sail across the Mediterranean to go back to Jerusalem. After visiting there for some time, he had then determined in his own mind that he would go then to that great city of Rome, the, the capital of the Roman Empire. So that's what his plan was. Let me ask you guys, how many of you have experienced what the writer of Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 16:9, that a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps? That you make a plan, and then suddenly God has you over here. You make a plan to go this way, and suddenly there's, there's another way that God is working and moving. When we're surrendered to, and we desire to be led by the Holy Spirit of God, there's going to be times that you and I feel compelled or determined in our hearts to head one direction or another. But because we are submitted to the leadership of the Lord Jesus in our lives, we also need to be absolutely willing to accept his redirection. We find in uh, chapter 20 here in Acts that Paul did make it to Macedonia and he did make it down to Greece. But from there, the trip actually took a bit of a detour. No, so that's one of the reasons when we look at the context of it and the final end of things, why you can also go back and say that Paul determined in his heart that he was going to do this, not necessarily led by the Spirit, though, again, he was surrendered to the Spirit. Does that make sense to you? So again, he's not going against the Spirit. It's not like the Spirit told him to go east and he said, no, I'm going to go west. No, he was looking to see, Lord, how, where are you leading me? Now, we'll look at that more in detail of his uh, uh, redirection when we get into chapter 20. But for now, I simply want to encourage you that there are too many times that well-intending believers say, well, God told me such and such. When in reality, it's our own hearts, it's our own emotions that were leading that direction. Not necessarily in a bad way, but again, it was not really and truly God speaking. We feel led. There's an emotional drive. There's a, there's, a, there's a feeling within our lives. We need to be careful, church. We need to be so desperately careful that we're not guilty of putting words into God's mouth. So careful. And I hear people so often say, well, God has said this. Is it really God speaking that? 
Or is it just your experience as a believer, uh, your trust in the word, and your, your, uh, uh, your, your feeling then, your, your compelling at that point in time? We have to be careful. It's always better to say, I feel led, rather than to say, God said. At the end of things, if it turns out right, you can say, yep, that was a God thing. <laughs> if it doesn't turn out right, you say, you know, I thought that was the way he was leading. When you say God said, and you're not directly referring to the scripture, like I can say, God said, and I can open up for every head. Da, 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 for <laughs> It's funny, I just pulled that. Every head shall be bald and every beard clipped. <laughs> Got to be careful of those proof tags, you know, just jump in there and grab one. Unless you're quoting from the word of God. You have to be so careful using that phrase, God said. Because our hearts, our emotions, you know, we, we get into these things. And again, the, 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 I'm not saying that you would do that in a bad way. In a, you're trying to follow the Lord, but understand, our emotions, our experiences, all of these things come into, those, come into play. You have to be careful saying God said, because once you say God said, and you're not quoting from scripture, guess what? You set yourself up as a prophet. Now guys, James tells us that be careful being a teacher because you're going to be held to a much stricter judgment. But you know what the word says about prophets? It says prophets, unless you're 100% right, you need to be stoned. So be careful setting yourself up as a prophet. (laughs) Unless you're 100% correct. I'm just saying. Okay. So Paul was making his plans here, and he sent Timothy and Erastus ahead of him. And there's still these other disciples, other believers there in Ephesus with him. Uh, but Timothy and Erastus, two of those who had ministered to him, he had sent ahead. Apparently, probably he had sent them ahead to, again, make provisions, get things set up, uh, let the churches know that Paul was soon going to be there. But before Paul was able to leave, verse 23 happened, okay? Look at verse 23. That about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. Now, the way, we've talked about that last couple of Sundays, and we see it uh, throughout the the book of Acts. It's just a a phrase, a a description, a declaration of who the church is. It was a a word that they would use, those that are following after Jesus Christ, those that, again, whether a Jew or Gentile, if they're following after Christ, they were part of the way. And again, although Paul had been there in Ephesus for two years without any kind of a major conflict. Now, just as he's preparing to leave, a great commotion arises. Look what happens down in verse 24 as Luke explains it to us. He says, for a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. See what he's saying? These little things that we've made by our hands. Paul's saying, that's not a god. Well, it is to us. 
says in verse 27, so not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. A little bit of uh, uh, hyperbole there. Everybody worships Diana. It's interesting to note that within the the context of what we know in the book of Acts, there was only two times that the Gentiles raised up and attacked on their own against the gospel. One time was back in Philippi, earlier in Acts. Remember, in Philippi, there was the young girl who was demon-possessed, would go behind the disciples. These men are uh, spokesmen for the great God, and you need to listen for them. And Paul knew that she was demon-possessed, so he turned around, rebuked the demon, cast the demon out of the, the young girl. Turns out the young girl was owned by several businessmen. They were making, again, money out of her fortune-telling. Well, that suddenly caused a huge and they came against Paul uh, uh, at that point in time because, again, he hit them in the finances. Well, right here, once again, it's hitting them in the finances. And again, they, 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 these Gentiles are coming up against Paul. It's, it's, it's interesting when you look at the attacks against the gospel. With the Jews, as we see in the book of Acts, the attack always came because of theology or doctrine. For the Gentiles, though, the attacks came because of finances and possessions. So just bear that in mind next time you make a, a joke about Jews and finances, okay? The Jews, at this point in time, they're worried about theology and doctrine. It's the Gentiles that are worried about the money issue. But anyway, back to the point at hand. I think it's pretty awesome that the Spirit of God is moving powerfully, so powerfully within this place that it's actually affecting the economy. That's powerful message, again, of the power of the gospel within that place. It's a change that was happening within that community that couldn't be denied. Demetrius, as a silversmith, uh, he had been impacted by a loss of, of his own revenue uh, because people were turning from these idols and started worshiping the one true God. And as a matter of fact, Demetrius states pretty much the, the absolute obvious. He says that throughout almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. Well, duh. Of course they're not gods. You made them with your own hands. As a matter of fact, Isaiah speaks about the stupidity of that when Isaiah says in Isaiah 46, speaking of these that make these little idols, he says that they lavish gold out of the bag and, and weigh silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith and he makes it a god. And they prostrate themselves. Yes, they worship. And they bear it on their shoulder. They carry it. They set it in its place and it stands. And from its place, it shall not move. Why? It has no power to move on its own. And Isaiah says that though one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer nor save him out of his trouble. Why? because it was made by the hands of man, rather than realizing, no, man was made out of the word of God. God spoke and all of creation came about. 
How does man then form a God with his own hands? That becomes a very powerless God, a very impotent God that's not, not, not able to do anything, even to the point they have to carry it around and say, here, we're going to set you over here. Oh, here, we're going to set you. It has absolutely no power within itself. Demetrius then uses, again, another exaggeration when he makes the statement that Diana was the one whom all of Asia and the world worship. No, I mean, she, she was a major god of the Greco-Roman Empire. None of the Jews worshiped Diana, and definitely none of the Christians worshipped Diana. Not everyone worshipped her. And the problem is, is fewer people were worshipping her, and that's why they were losing money. But as soon as Demetrius makes this statement, again, out bold where all the people are hearing, the crowd went wild. Look what's going on in verse 28. Now when they, the the crowd of people that were around, when they heard this, they were full of wrath and they cried out saying, great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion. They rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus. These were Macedonians. Uh, They were Paul's travel companions. And when Paul wanted to go into the people, the disciples would not allow him. And then some of the officials of Asia, who were his friends, sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. So let me see if I've got this straight. Uh, Diana of the Ephesians was so great and so powerful that the whole community had to come and rise up at her defense, even to the point of rioting. That doesn't sound like a very powerful God. For whatever reason, this crowd, this this riot, they couldn't find Paul at that precise time. And so they did find Gaius and Aristarchus, uh, again, some guys from Macedonia that were with Paul, travel companions with him. And so they grabbed them and they drug them into the theater. So you've got this riot of all the people within the community of Ephesus taking these two Christian brothers into the theater. That theater at that point in time in the first century, they say that the theater there in Ephesus could hold upwards to 25 thousand people. Now that's, 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 that's got to be a, an intense situation for Gaius and Aristarchus. It's interesting then at this point in time, once Paul finds out what's going on, he wants to rush right into it, you know, to go and help his friends out. But again, other disciples pull him back and say, no, don't go there. And it's also interesting how Luke says that some of the officials of Asia who were his friends, who were friends with Paul. They sent to him pleading that he would not enter into the theater. They knew that his life was at risk at that point in time. Luke calls them officials of Asia. Their actual title was Asiarchs. They were called rulers of Asia. It was pretty much a community position, and they were scattered all over the Roman Empire. As Rome came and brought about what's called the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, they would put in place these officials in each community. The purpose and the task of those officials was to keep the peace, to keep the order. And so they would take care of any kind of disruptions that would come about, any kind of arguments, any kind of riots. They would be the ones to squelch it.
We're so glad you could be with us today as we opened God's Word and dove into the goodness and truth the Bible contains. If you've missed any part of today's message in Acts, we encourage you to refer to our website, calvarycg.org. Once there, you can browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of the Open Word. We'd love to hear from you about how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If you prefer accessing information through social media, visit our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word. Just go to theopenword.com. You'll be directed right to our page. You'll be able to explore more of Pastor David's audio there as well. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Hey, thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into the Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again. Or simply let your Bible fall open. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. And I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word. Make a small-